chapter 15, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into, the far, into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and bring, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to celebrate. Good evening, everyone. Well, this is going to be fun. I, it has been since I was 20 in college that I had an opportunity to speak uh, in front of the college. And that was the last opportunity that I've had until today. So I was a little nervous sitting over there. I wasn't sure how well I was going to be able to stand, but I was able to get up here. I first want to Thank Anthony for giving me this opportunity to preach tonight. Um, he came to me a while back and, and asked if I would be one of the three that were going to preach on the parable of the lost son. And tonight, I'm going to tackle the parable of the lost son, but I'm only going to tackle the son who went away. Um, Tim, Timmy Hahn and Tim Bullock are going to tackle the other characters within this parable that Jesus was speaking about. This has been a very good weekend for me. I went to the Renaissance Festival in Warren, Ohio, and I had the pleasure of taking a picture with uh, Gandalf the Grey from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It was fantastic for me to be able to stand next to him, um, knowing how much I love that series. Uh, it was a really interesting experience for me, but so I'm happy. But I'm also happy to bring to you tonight God's word. Um, the first thing we're going to look at tonight, most of us already know the story of the lost parable. We know how it goes. We know what happens. We know the son returns. But tonight, I'm going to talk about the son in a way where we don't just talk about the fact that he was lost, but we also talk about the fact that there was a lot of pride 
that was involved in, in this story, in this parable that Jesus was talking about. And the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to break it down. And first, we're going to look at the request. The son went to his father, and he asked his father, Father, may I have half of all my inheritance? Now, he didn't give his father a reason. He didn't say, Father, I need this inheritance. I'd like to buy this, or I'd like to buy that. He just requested it. Now, at the time, I don't know if it's, you know, it may not have been important to put in the Bible, but I'm sure the father at the time was kind of wondering, why do you want your, your inheritance now? Uh, but he gave it to him, and he gave him his inheritance so that he could use it for, for what he wanted to use it for. And it was interesting because we all request things from each other. We request things from our boss. We request things from our spouse. We request things from our children. And whatever we requested them, we hope that it's going to be something that's going to uplift them, to spiritually guide them, to give them internal happiness. But in this situation, what the son was going to receive was not going to bring him happiness. It was not going to bring him the fulfillment, fulfillment that he could get from a, a, a different request. Now the son, as he, after he received his request, request, he was ready to go on a journey. And he was ready to go far away for that journey. And I always found that interesting that he didn't want to spend his possessions right there in the land that he was in. He needed to go far away to spend his possessions. And that's interesting because either he had too much Either he was going to be embarrassed for what he was going to spend it on, or he just wanted to go far away. I believe, and Scripture doesn't say, but I do believe that he didn't want his family to see what he was going to do and how he was going to squander that money. And so I believe that's why he went far away. He did not want to be close by. And that happens in life. When we have a sin in our lives, we don't go right in front of someone and act out the sin. We go to a closet. We go somewhere else. We go somewhere where we can hide and be hidden and not be exposed. The son didn't want to be exposed, and so he chose to go to a faraway land. Now, when we look at Scripture here, when we look here, I'm going to read a little bit from Luke 15. I'm going to start here in... Let's we'll start here in verse. Let's start here in verse twelve, and he says, "And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me.' So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with the prodigal living. He had to go far away." just to waste his money. Um, I'm sure if his father knew what he was doing at the time, he would be very displeased. He would not be happy with what his son is doing. But it's interesting to turn what happens to the son as he's on his journey. 
there's a period after his journey, which is the theme for my lesson tonight, which is going to be pride. Because after he's taken all his riches that he's, he was given to by his father, he takes him to a faraway land, and he says, I'm going to spend this on whatever I want. Whatever indulgence I want to indulge in, I'm going to indulge in it. But then he runs out. He doesn't have any more possessions. He, he's empty. He, he doesn't have anything. He's fallen. We would say he's fallen on hard times. He's succumbed to the poverty because he had succumbed to poverty and he desired the sloth of pigs. Now, there is a farm out towards Lithopolis and I went to that farm. It's near, I believe, I um, can't think of the name of the park, but uh, Slate, Slate Run, thank you. And I went to that park, and they were that day feeding slops to the pigs. That is the one of the most undesirable smells that anyone would ever want to smell. It is incredibly offensive. And when you look at, when you look at the slop, there's no way you would ever think, I'm not going to become desperate enough to eat what these hogs are eating. And you'll see the hogs. And I remember the lady, she threw in a, head of a rooster that they just butchered that we saw. And I said, my goodness, I don't even understand how in the world somebody would want to eat all this that's in here. But the fact remains is the pigs were going to eat it. They didn't have a problem with it. But the son had gotten to a point in his life where that's what he desired. He just wanted just a little taste of that slop. I just, I just, he just wanted a taste. He was probably, he was hungry, and he needed it. Well, if you see here, after he decides, you know, I just want a little bit of that slop, it's, it's, it, I'm going to start here in verse 15, where he says, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Now, to be denied the slot, you have to be at a really low place for someone to say, that they're not going to give you the food of pigs. And that's how low he was. I personally have had low points in my life. I never have been at, a, at that such of a low point where I was willing to eat slop or garbage or be in that position. But I've had low points in my life. I've, I've fallen as well, just like this son has fallen. I recall in my life where I went through a time of great confusion about how I wanted to live my Christian life. I was baptized when I was 15, and it wasn't until after college that I started experimenting with different religions, um, whether it was denomination, whether it was Buddhism, um, and whether it was any other kind of religion 
that believes in taking care of self first. See, I've fallen, and I have fallen really hard at times to the point of being very low and thinking Christ would not never take me back. And I imagine this is what this son felt. He felt, I'm such at a place, I'm at a place that my father, even if I ask, he wouldn't take me back. He's not going to have me return in his arms. I thought the same thing when I fell. I thought, God's not going to take me back. I'm too stained of a human being for him to take back. But that didn't occur, and that didn't happen. And we're going to see here where the son, after I talk about this point, we're going to see where the son chooses to return to his father. In this part of the fall for the son, the theme that I have chosen is pride. You have to have an awful lot of pride to be poor and not decide to go back home, but decide, I'll just go and and meet up with somebody in the land and eat what the pigs are eating. What kind of pride would cause a person to do that? I can't even imagine having that kind of pride, and I can't imagine why he would exhibit that pride. But we're gonna look at a couple of verses where we're going to see examples of pride and, and, and see what God's word says about pride. The first we're going to look at, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. And it says, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The son's at that point, isn't he? He had pride, now he has shame. He's living with pigs right now. You can't get any more shameful than that. If we look at another verse, let's look at Daniel chapter 5, verse 20. In this passage, Daniel has been brought in to interpret what's on the wall for Nebuchadnezzar. And... Nebuchadnezzar, we know, was not a good king. But let's see here what it says in chapter 20. It says, But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. See, pride, you can be proud. I can be proud. I can be proud of what my son does. I can also be proud of of being an American. I can also be proud of being a Christian. But that's different. Can I be too proud to not want to accept someone's apology? Can I be too proud to where I won't lend a helping hand to someone who's hurting? No. That's not the pride that God wants us to have. And you can see here what happened in Nebuchadnezzar. He had so much pride, his throne was taken away from him. That's a very big deal for a king, isn't it? His throne was taken away because of his pride. Let's also look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says here, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. See, when God created this world, He didn't create the world so that pride could fill everyone up. He didn't create it to where we would wear it like a cape. Pride is not of, of God. Now, pride is of Satan. Satan has no problem if you put on a robe that is dripping with pride to the point to where you are not Christ-like or not in a way you are lording that over someone. Satan has no problem with that. But God never put pride into this world for us to, to, to have in, the, in, that, in that particular way. We can be proud, but we cannot be prideful. And what's interesting, when I looked at, when I was reading the, the story of the lost son, pride just hit me right away. It hit me as something that this is what he was experiencing. This is what he was going through. And it was interesting because, as, all, as most of us know, there was that point of redemption. There's that point where he realized his sin and realized he must return to the Father. We've all had a point where we have sinned and we needed to return to the Father. There was no other way. You can see here in the image that I... I picked out here because I think it, it, it shows that you when you hit bottom, there's nowhere else but up. And for those who are Christians or for those who are searching, God has established a way. He has showed us the way to him. And the son had a, and son realized that. He said, I, I I have to return to my father. And he didn't have a he he was at that point where he finally decided to humble himself and decided that he was no longer going to live the life that he was living. If you see here, we're going to continue to read in Luke chapter 15. And he says here in verse 19, I'm going to start in verse 19. He says, "And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But he, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's a powerful thing for a son to say. Imagine... I can imagine if my son or daughter came to me and said, Daddy, I'm no longer worthy of being your son. I'm no longer worthy of being your daughter because of crime, because of sin in my life. I'd rather be just your hired servant. It would break me down in tears because that's my son. That's my daughter. I don't want to see them as hired servants. I want to see them as my son and my daughter. But he was willing to do that. He decided, for all the sin that I've done in my life and the way I've treated you, Father, don't even call me son, because there is, there is a certain sense, a certain sense of, of, of honor that comes with being 
a good son to your father. There's a sense of honor for a father to be able to look at the son and say, I am proud of you. I am proud that you are my son. And that's where he was. And that's where he went back to. And of course, as you know, his father did accept him back. If you read in this quote that I put here, it says, wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. It's by Esther D. Walsh. She's an Anglican um, lady who um, writes all kinds of um, different kinds of poetry and things of that nature. But I, I felt this was very much the right thing to say for this story. Because he thought having this wealth, I mean, can you imagine your father saying, here's half, here's half of all my possessions, here you go, and you're going into a foreign land and you have all these possessions, and I'm sure when people were there, they looked and said, wow, look at all that you have. You, wow, you are very rich. You probably felt wealthy, probably felt very prideful. Yes, I am rich, thank you. But if you see here in that quote, it says, but having great possessions is in having few wants. And that's what happened towards the end for him. When he came back, he didn't say, Father, I would like you to try, if you can, to divvy up whatever you can in inheritance. I know I spent my other half, but I really would love to have something when you die. No, he did not ask that. He didn't come back and say, Father, I've come back from a long journey. Can you put a robe on me and can you clothe me? Can you feed me? Oh, and by the way, I have friends with me. Father, I'm glad to be home. He didn't do that as well. He didn't come back and say, I had a wonderful time. It was absolutely exciting. I bought so many things. I had so many things. It was wonderful. Father, you should have been there. He came back and he said, I have sinned and I would rather just be your hired servant. You see, in the end, even though he had great possession, he only wanted something small. And that was just to be a servant to his father. Not even a, not even a son. You see, We all have a point in our lives where we are struck with things in our life that prevent us from walking the straight and narrow. And a lot of times we go this way, a lot of times we go this way, or sometimes we go this way. But to stay on a straight and narrow requires such conviction and discipline. We know that it is very much a difficult thing to do. Because see, Satan's really good at throwing things at us to get us to look over here, or to look over here. Or hey, look over there. Oh, wow. Thank you. Satan's very good at that. And the reason he's good at that, he knows our weakness. He knows exactly what is going to trip us up. He knows what's going to trip me up. He knows what's going to trip you up. And at some point, we have been tripped up. And it's only because he knows our weakness. But on the flip side of that, God knows our strength. He knows what we're capable of. And so you have Satan, who, can give, who acts as if he can give you everything your heart desires. And you have God who says, 
I'm not going to promise you everything your heart desires. But I will promise you a relationship with me if you decide to have one. And I will also promise that if you do live your life correctly, you will be with me in heaven forever. Now, who is going to substitute that for this? And there are people in the world who have. And there are people in the world who have pridefully accepted that. I unfortunately have an uncle who I remember I asked him when I was younger, I said, how come you don't go to church anymore? He said, what's the point of church? He said, I'm very rich and I have lots of money. I said, I know you do. I know you do, uncle. He said, money is my God because money allows me to get anything I want. Well, he missed the picture because that money that you have there cannot buy you into heaven. There are no early access tickets to heaven. There are no special <laughs> VIP tickets to get to heaven. There's only the option to get to heaven is only if you decided to live your life the way God has instructed and to be baptized. That is the way to get to heaven. And unfortunately, my uncle to this day still worships money and he still considers it as God. And not only does he worship money, he also hoards it as if he's storing up here on earth. I'm not sure why. He doesn't, he stores it up, but I don't know where it's going. But that's for him to work out with it in his life. But in ending tonight, I want to end with this. My son and I were playing one day, and we were playing on the couch, and we like to get rough. And uh, he likes to get rough, and you'd be surprised, even though Lily, she comes across very sweet, she loves to get rough as well. <laughs> and I remember we were playing and tossing back and forth, and he fell down, or he was about to, and I remember I extended my hand out and I caught him. He said, Dad, thank you very much for that. I said, why? He said, Dad, you reached out your arm, you saved me. Thank you, Dad. I said, Maddox, I laughed about it. I said, Maddox, all Daddy did was lift up my hand and save you. He said, yes, but that's the thing. You stretched your hand out and you saved me. I said, okay, I understand. We know God's the same way. As we are in free fall in this world, we know God could stretch out his hand, he could catch us, and he could comfort us. Only a loving God can. And as, as I told my son, I said, okay, I understand, Maddox, I, I know. I said, I saved you, I saved you, you know, that's, that's funny. But as I, when I walked away, I said, you know, God saved me when I fell, and I, there were points I was falling. God was right there. He saved me. And it wasn't, and obviously it's not in, he stretched, you know, he stretched out his hand, hands and he, and he saved me. But what's in here saved me. What's in here got me back on the straight and narrow. What's in here made me see what was wrong with my life and how I needed to start doing what was pleasing for God. If tonight you have things that you would like to pray about, things that are on your mind, God is the only one who can mend those broken hearts that we sometimes have. He's the only one who can bring us the comfort that we love.
And for those who haven't been baptized, it is a difficult but amazing journey to be a Christian. Because you are loved by the God of this universe. You're loved by the Creator. And what, what, what better way to live a life where you're loved by the one who created every single thing you see in this life, including the eyes that allow you to see it? That God is here for you. So if you have any invitations, or if, not invitations, if you, I'm getting the invitation, but if anyone needs to come forward,